that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome to Buckeye Talk. It is another Market Down Monday with your Cleveland.com crew. But first, we need to talk about Stare It Down Sunday, Shut It Down Sunday, what we almost had tonight. Um, a, kind of a crazy weekend here. We're, we're going to be talking here in a few minutes about how many football games Ohio State will play, will, I'm sorry, will win in the regular season this season, if there is one. But we're going to first delve into what I think is on everyone's mind prominently, which is all the Big Ten meetings that happened this weekend and what we know and what this could mean. Um, I guess I'll just recap real quickly and then we can kind of get into some reaction. But uh, Saturday morning, uh, a notice came out that the Big Ten was pausing, not canceling, but pausing where it was in preseason football practice, telling teams to stay in helmets only so they don't move on to the contact portion of practice. It was reported that that afternoon there was going to be a regularly scheduled meeting of leadership, presidents, those sorts of folks. Um, Ohio State was not involved with that, but planned to be briefed afterward. There was no decision. It was said that football would be discussed there, but there would be no decision. Nothing came of that. Sunday, we started hearing reports that another call had been set up. Ohio State incoming president Christina M. Johnson was on this call, and it was a call that um, Pete Thamel from Yahoo reported. ESPN also had some reporting on this um, about another Power Five conference uh, or a, a call among Power Five conferences besides the Big Ten, kind of what are we going to do when the Big Ten decides to cancel football, which they were hearing was imminent. There was, from Thamel's reporting, um, a significant number of the Big Ten presidents were in favor of postponing the season to the spring. Did I get everything there? Is that pretty much? And then also all of the the kind of an outpouring of for, for, for our local focus, an outpouring of support to play the season, not just from Ohio State players, which we saw late last week, but also Sunday night, significant um, support and outspoken support from the, the parents who put out a letter and said they feel that Ohio State is a safe place for their sons to play football, and they believe that football can be safely played this fall. So I think that brings us up to speed on what has happened. We're recording this at 11 o'clock Sunday night. You're going to get this first thing Monday morning. We don't know how soon more news will come. There is the people nationally reporting on this have told it, have reported that nothing else is coming tonight, but it sounds like something could be coming very soon. And it sounds like what's coming might be that there is no football in fall of 2020. So listen, we recorded this podcast at four o'clock Sunday afternoon and we're, re we're yeah. re-recording the beginning. And, and here's why. Um, we said this afternoon by 5 p.m. at the Friday, the end of this week, where will the Big Ten have canceled its season or not? And all of us said, no, it will not have canceled its season. And I said, man, we can't put that podcast out. We're going to look stupid if they cancel Monday morning. What happened was that th this energy continued into Sunday night. And here's what I thought was a big deal. And we, we reported this Saturday, I think, before anybody. Ohio State did not have a representative in the regularly scheduled Saturday meeting where the discussion about possibly canceling the season took place. But we were told that Ohio State would be briefed after the meeting. Christina Johnson, the incoming president, replacing Michael Drake, who is gone and is already president of the University of California system. Christina Johnson doesn't start until August 24th. She was on the Sunday call. 
So it went from the regularly scheduled Saturday call, they'll be briefed, which I had some concerns. We were kind of like, man, that's kind of weird that the number one football program in the conference is not involved in this football decision. Is it, and it's, you get briefed on it, but you're not in the argument, right? And if you people yeah. know me, I very much believe in you can change people's mind with an argument. You just hear the decision that's already been made. How can you make a decision without hearing what Ohio State thinks? Now, we've been told Gene Smith has been involved in previous conversations and that kind of thing. That kind of thing. From Saturday to Sunday, Christina Johnson went from being briefed to in. So it's, listen, we need somebody from Ohio State in. That's the kind of thing you do when a decision's about to be made. And you don't have an extra new meeting on Sunday night to say, okay, still not canceling, right? Is that the, we need the, this is the emergency still not canceling meeting. The only reason that they would have pulled in Ohio State's president and then had an unscheduled meeting Sunday night is because they're about to whack it. So the reporting out of that, and again, we're not reporting out of that. We don't have secret people telling us stuff on this. But we're reacting to the people who are. It feels like it's about to be over. It feels like it's about to be over for the Big Ten. And so I can't remember. I'm a little sad. We had some good conversation in the podcast that now is getting deleted. Yeah, there was, some, there was some fun banter about King Koopa, and there was some other stuff. But, yeah, it, it, that's it not needed the issue to be anymore. Right. That's not the issue. Yeah. It's not, we're not at a maybe time anymore. Like it's, yeah. it, All the reporting is this is inevitable. And a Sunday night meeting when Christina Johnson, who does not start her job until August 24th, is called in, that's because it's about to go. So we have moved from our discussion on Sunday afternoon was sort of wrapping up the weekend of like, boy, it feels like, and now all of a sudden it's like, I think it feels like we're on the precipice. So that's why we're back doing this and we all have to be ready. If, it, if there's no fall season for the Big Ten, we'll all come back together multiple times. Our tech subscribers will all get together. We'll mourn this. And I, I don't mean that glibly at all. We say glib a lot of this. We're so worried about being glib. We're constantly saying we're not being glib. That's real. Football matters to people. For the guys who play it, for the fans who love it, for the coaches who coach it, for the parents, for the families, for the tech subscribers, for the Buckeye Talk listeners, football matters. So if there's no football this fall for the first time in however many years, I think they played for through they played through a war, man. We're gonna I believe dig this into will that. be the first time I looked. I think it's 1889 or something like that would be the last time there wasn't football in the fall. I mean, I assume they played in the fall back then. So we have to be on top of that. Maybe we can resurrect some of the other discussions. I think the back and forth between different members of the college football media about this is very interesting, but it's not the front burner issue right now. And what to me is the front burner issue, and again, we'll talk about it more if and when it does happen that the Big Ten cancels, is now it feels like a possibility exists where the Big Ten cancels, but the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 don't and that is just not i mean we talked a lot in this podcast about how college football is regional there's not a centralized power structure that's a problem in a lot of ways it could also be a good thing we talked a lot about what if the big 10 can go without Rutgers. there was a time you know the the virus started in washington state and new york it was like okay then it spread to the south now it's like well what if the idea now that it's here the idea that Ohio – and I don't care about the Big Ten. We don't have a Big Ten podcast. We have an Ohio State podcast. The idea that Ohio State could be watching Alabama and Clemson and Texas and Oklahoma and Florida State and Georgia and LSU play while Ohio State sits and Ohio State players and families are all over social media with the we want to play hashtag. Everybody around Ohio State is saying, 
don't bail on us. Don't bail on us. And their league is on the precipice of bailing on them. This is different to me. And it's hard for me to wrap my head around. And I don't want to over, I don't want to exaggerate what this might mean. But man, I think Ohio State is caught in between in a big way right now. Well, and, and I think that is fascinating and intriguing and a little bit worrying to me. We've talked before about how Ohio State has the most to lose from a football standpoint if there's no fall season, if there's no 2020 season. And I think that gets that that crosses over from something that fans would be would have some grief about and be kind of sorrowful about to something that people would be incensed about if everybody else gets to play and Ohio State has to just stand and watch the rest of college football happen in 2020. And you can't separate the idea that I, I think we all agree with that. And I'll write that eventually. Ohio State has the most to lose because of the players they have, because of how they fell short last year. But it's not even really to me about that. It's that Ohio State, in the end, with its athletics program and certainly with its football program, has much more in common with Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Texas than it does with Purdue, Northwestern, Maryland, Rutgers, and Indiana. And if Purdue, Northwestern, Maryland, Rutgers, Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska, Michigan State, they decide we're not going to play, Ohio State wants to be in the Big Ten. Ohio State and the Big Ten hold itself above the rest of college football in a lot of ways. Jim Delaney loved to do that. Ohio State tries to walk the line and I think strives and is proud to strive to walk the line of, hey, we're a Big Ten academic institution. That means something. But also we're a football factory. And that's not pejorative. That's not a negative. We don't have to live in a world where trying to be good at football is a bad thing. That's silly. We wouldn't have a podcast if that was a bad thing. But this is the, this is the, the, the rubber meeting the road on that. We're actually, Ohio State's, and, and I sent out a text and some people push back against it. Yes, I get it. Penn State, Michigan, Nebraska, other places in the Big Ten care about football. They're not competing for the playoff every year. Ohio State's competing for the playoff every year. Ohio State's in the top tier. And if they're the only team in the top tier that doesn't play this season, because Nebraska, Purdue, Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers didn't want to play, man, what does that mean? Does that mean something long-term? I don't necessarily think it does, but I think it's a tough pill to swallow, and it's exacerbated. It's not exacerbated. That, the fact that that will be a tough pill to swallow is shown by the idea that 85, 100, 200, whatever it is, Ohio State football players and parents are on Twitter Sunday night as this news is happening saying, we want to play. We want to play. That's not coincidental. No. I think they knew that that, that was well-timed. Yeah. Um, Steven, I want to get your thoughts on the kind of the timing of this. We talked about this earlier and, and, and so I'm going to go back to you on this, but the thing that I'm struggling with tonight, just as not even just as a journalist, though, but partly because of that, because I don't think we're getting some good answers on this, but mostly just as an observer of college football is why now, why is this all of a sudden they, they come up with a, they come out with a practice schedule on Wednesday they come out with a well, I should say a, a regular season schedule on Wednesday, and they and they allow them to practice, allow teams to initiate practice after saying the previous week that that was kind of up in the air that maybe that wasn't going to happen on time. Well, they allowed them to start practice on time, and then three days into it, no, we've got to back off, and now we might be shutting the whole thing down. And I'm still struggling with why this decision has to be made on August. We're recording this at August on August 9th. It'll soon be August 10th. But the season is not scheduled to start until September 3rd at the very earliest. You've built in extra time to get other games in, to, to manipulate your schedule because of COVID-19. That's why you've built that stuff into your schedule. Why is this decision happening in, in, on, in the first week of August? It, that's what I'm struggling with the most. 
and why go through all that extra work to put together a schedule if 48 hours later you're going to turn around and do a complete 180 and even down to what Pete Dammel tweeted out and go light and practice tomorrow if you're going to for what what at this if it if with everything looking like they're going to cancel the season this year what, what do they need to go out and practice for what do they need to show up to practice for if we can all kind of see the writing on the wall with stuff but more important there's been no consistency in how any of this has gone you go from okay we some momentum i understand this is all fluid because coronavirus is what it is but you just came out with a schedule and 48 hours later what information did you get that changed that much to where it's sunday night at 11 30 and we're basically 12 hours away from the expectation that they're going to announce that they're going to cancel the season. You got a plan. I, I've said you got a plan. Yeah. So I, I don't get caught up in that. Uh, the, the schedule release to me is not a huge deal. You've got to release a schedule because you got to, you got to plan like you're going to have a season until you don't have a season. But it's not the schedule so well, much as starting a practice. Nothing starting changed. Practice is what Just, I because think is. Pract- but practice was scheduled to start on Friday. I don't, I don't think, and again, I think the implication of what changed is nothing changed. This is what's been happening. This is the way the, mo- the things have been moving. And, and I disagree with letting this influence them, but what changed is the Mac canceled. So that's some right. factor. I mean, it's not like nothing happened. A, 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 one of the conferences of the, the power of the, not a power conference, but of the 130 teams that play at the highest level of FBS football, FBS football bailed. And it happens to be a Midwestern conference, which I think it's, is mm-hmm. a factor. It's their little brother. It's their little yeah. brother conference. Yeah. So that's a factor. I don't think that should be any factor. I think it's a dereliction of duty if, if the 14 Big Ten presidents point to what Toledo, Bowling Green, Kent State, Akron, Miami, Ohio, Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan. That's not you. Now, one point that is true is actually Northwestern and Rutgers and Purdue and some of those programs actually in some ways might be closer to some of those programs than they are to Ohio state, but they're also getting big 10 network money. So here's my, and I don't mean to, this is not to be dismissive of the safety issue. It's to be critical potentially of the decision-making process. And if you are a big 10, this is, this is okay because I had some rants that got deleted and I'm glad that there's going to be some fresh rants. If you are a big 10 program, that looks to Central Michigan and Bowling Green and Toledo for your decision-making, forfeit your Big Ten network money because you're not acting like a Big Ten program. Make a decision that's about you. This, this, this conference makes more money than any conference in America. They make more money off TV and all the stuff than the SEC. And if you aren't ready to play sports at that level, I'm not criticizing you for it, but stop pretending. Stop pretending and then go be Northwestern and Purdue and whoever's doing it. I don't know who's doing it, but I'm telling you, I bet, I doubt that Ohio State is leading the push to cancel. I doubt it. No. And I doubt that Penn State is leading the push to cancel. So listen, if you don't want to do it, don't do it for your own reasons. But if you are leaning on the Mac, then go be in the Mac. Because this is big boy school, and it's not dismissive of safety. It's a complicated decision-making process for the adults who play at the highest level. And if you can't have a complex decision-making process that is independent of what a conference with one-tenth your financial resources does, then get out. As soon as I saw the Mac make its decision, I had some trepidation because I, I wondered if the 
presidents and chancellors see the MAC in a in a different esteem than athletic directors do and coaches do because it's they look at those institutions differently because they don't take athletics that much into account even though they should because this is an athletics decision at the end of the day none of those none of those schools by the way are none of the big 10 schools who supposedly their presidents are on the cusp of canceling a football season have also said students should not come to campus this fall to me those decisions are still very inextricably linked if one's not safe the other probably isn't safe and I don't understand why one is happening again on August 9th when the other one isn't. I think I, maybe I do, but I, I have some conspiracy theories about that that we maybe don't want to delve into tonight. Um, I just, I'm in love with process. I think the process matters more than the ultimate decision. And I have yeah. great questions about the big Ten's process. If the big 10 football season is canceled in the next 48 hours, I'm not saying, and this is where you have to splice it. I'm not saying that it's the wrong decision. I think it's 100%. very possible that it's the right decision arrived at the wrong way. And then you find out about people during emergencies. Just like, Stephen, we did, we did a lot of good jokes on the previous. I'm just going to keep referencing the previous podcast that you guys didn't get to hear. Stephen, I'm going to make a Seinfeld reference, which I loathe. I've loathed old middle-aged sports writers making Seinfeld references for 25 years. It's the show that started in the 80s, for God's sakes. But – when George was at the birthday party and there was a fire and he pushed the kids aside and ran out the door, you learned about George. There are some Georges in, among the Big Ten presidents right now. And if I were Ohio State, and I don't know who's voting in the room, but if I were one of the, the schools that really cares about football, and again, it's okay to care about football. The whole system's messed up, but it's okay to care about football. I would be frustrated with the Georges right now because I'm not ready to run from the smoke right now. Again, it, to me, it just it, it all seems so premature to me making this. Uh, and I agree with you. I think it, it may very well that we could look back and get into September and say, okay, obviously we can't play football. That may be – it may just smack us in the face and say, obviously we can't play football. And I guess maybe there's people out there who feel that way already. But, It'll be there. That decision is not going anywhere. It's not like if you start things, you can't stop them. And so I suppose what I'm not seeing is maybe the, the liability that these – presidents and chancellors see in allowing people to practice football in the interim I, maybe that's it I, I just don't know but I feel like either you've set up protocols that you were just championing on Wednesday or you haven't and those same protocols were set up with the medical people your task force your medical personnel throughout the conference this of great research institutions uh, 13 of which have their own hospitals I mean it's I, I don't understand how how that wasn't how, how that's all getting washed away so quickly. And this kind of leads into, so those two kind of opposing thoughts, the fact that I think that they might be right to cancel the season as Doug, you just said as well. And I think Steven, you might, you'd also agree that at the end of the day, that might be what's supposed to happen, but it might be too soon to say it now. Those are the kind of contradictory things you can say in this process that they're not mutually exclusive, which I think leads into kind of what you referenced earlier, Doug, and, and maybe another thing you want to go on a rant about, which is, what's going on in the media right now with this discussion and how the media is kind of getting pitted against itself while trying to report on this. And I'll say since my first rant, Joel Klatt, my guy, put out a 10 minute video on Twitter that I thought made some good points. You know, some of it, I didn't agree with all five points. He made five very specific points about, you know, there's, there's a risk uh, for college age people with 
depression and suicide and that kind of thing. Like if you don't play, you may risk some of that. A lot of people have been talking about that and, and I get that, but I don't know that that's a little bit of what about ism to me. Um, you've got to worry about the disease. He, he talked about that the virus again, the, the, the studies show that certainly it's not as dangerous to college age kids as it is, is to elderly people. But again, you know, that's, I don't, he, and he said, I'm not dismissing the virus, but it's all a balance. I made a big point. It is all a balance, but there are, there are people like Joel Klatt, Danny Cannell, especially, I think there's some analysts who are former football players who, who believe that the media, the reporters, Pete Thamel and Pete like that, uh, people like that, Nicole Auerbach, um, the people who've been the front line of reporting this stuff, they think that reporting negative news means they are have a negative approach or they don't want a season. I think that's totally unfair. Are I think that people, ignore it? Does that mean? I mean, that's why any of us had know what to talk about because they're reporting this stuff. Yeah. And it, are they supposed to say, oh, this is negative, so let me not tell people? The problem is the people they're talking to who, who are saying all these things these and pessimistic might be the wrong word just realistic things about the the issues with the virus and playing safely and they're all saying it anonymously and nobody's having a public conversation about this and this is a failure i think of leadership across the board in the ncaa and I'll, there's a second point that i've developed in the last hour and i think i'm going to try to write about it for monday morning that i'll get to in a little bit but that is very frustrating there's a lot of conversation about how this season's not going to happen and it's so difficult and it's been a problem all along the way but we're not having those conversations. When you have those conversations anonymously, it feels like you're giving in to them. When you have them publicly, it feels like you're fighting together to try to solve it. And I guess they're trying to solve it behind the scenes, right? But I mean, it is not a unified effort. It is not a public effort. And so the, the issue lies, if there is fault, it lies not with the reporters. It lies with the leaders in college football who are offering very dire predictions over and over and over again anonymously while there's not probably enough being done to try to actually solve a way to try to do this. I did not see Joel. So is he back on the, in your good graces? He's better than he was four this, hours ago. <laughs> you He's, thought you were never going to get your, your meal with him again. I was very, I mean, that brought, that brought home the coronavirus. I mean, like, I mean, come on. I, I was like angry at Joel for like 15 minutes during the previous podcast recording, but I can't stay mad at Joel. Do you see how good his hair looked? My, my pandemic hair is a mess. Anybody who's watched our YouTube video, I'm wearing backwards hats. It's all over the place. Joel Klatt's pandemic hair, my God, it's beautiful. Have you not had a haircut since it started? Have not had a haircut since it started. Really? Since no like Floby, no... I sometimes get out the kitchen scissors and cut off my oh. gray my gray wings. I get wings on the side of my ears that stick out, and they're extra gray, and I cut those off every now and then. Is that am I supposed to do that? But other than that, no. I'm not your barber. This is your profile. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. This is definitely sp spiraling out of control here in the late night yeah. <laughs> as we record this for the second time. I do want to. It's, I do almost, it's back. almost like the Big Ten's decision is kind of spiraling and all I, over I the place. Want, I do want to jump back, Doug, to something you said, though, which is we have talked to Gene Smith about this throughout the process sporadically. He has not really been on the record that I can remember here in the last few weeks, even in like one on one situations, really, with people. Um, but he has also I, again, I, I don't think pessimistic is the right answer, but I feel like he's been fairly realistic about this all along. Every time Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, has put out a statement, whether it was Wednesday, whether it was a week before that. There's been some realism in there. It's all, all along they've been saying 
we may not be playing football this fall. We may not be playing football this fall. So I feel like it, it isn't just people hiding in the shadows. I feel like there are people who are out front, um, the powers that be, the people who will be the most influential in making these decisions other than the, pre- the presidents. But all those people have, I think, been pretty out front saying this is something you, everybody needs to brace for. There may not be a season this fall. And I think um, – so, so that's the other thing that I think I've, I've, I, has upset me by the people who have been bashing these other media people is I'm, I'm thinking like, well, but the, the athletic administration itself has been saying all along that, I mean, it's not just secret. It's out there. These people have been saying all along, we may not be playing football. It may not be safe to play football this fall. Everybody needs to get ready for that. Yeah. No, Kevin Warren has been circumspect, but, you know, and I don't know what he's saying maybe behind the scenes or whatever, but I mean, he has been very cautious um, from the get-go on this. And again, I have not given in to, I've railed against some of the, um, and not the reporters, but some of the columnists and people out there who are just like, nope, no season, nope, no season for like the past six weeks. And again, I kept holding out hope for the country. I kept holding out hope that when I, I read smart epidemiologists who say we can crush this thing in four to six weeks whenever we decide to do it, not that it would go away, but that it would allow us to have much more of a normal life than we have now. That's what I've been waiting for. But now it's, what is it, August what? ninth for the next august, 27 minutes yeah so it's, it's august it's gonna be august 10th by the time you listen to this and four weeks i mean we're less than we're less than four weeks away from the start of the college football season so the idea of like let's all get serious lock down other things we have to lock down so maybe we can open up things like college football or whatever not the college football is the most important thing in the world but that that the time as time marches on a lot of things people want, a, you can't give a yes right now. The only thing you can give is a no. So I've been reading some people pushing back against, you've got to make a decision. The uncertainty is bad for everybody. There's no such thing as a certain yes. So if you're saying the uncertainty is like not fair to the players and everything, then you're just saying cancel. Because yeah. you can't say play no matter what. That's not right. a thing. So but the no, but the no is irrevocable and it, it can't be put, it can't be reversed. Like once mm-hmm. you say no, it's done. Yeah. Right. So isn't what, uncertainty maybe in some ways better than a no? Hold off on the no as long as oh, you can. Yeah. Yes. Every time. <clears throat> it's not better on like me trying to like do things with my life, but it's absolutely better, I think, for this decision. It's it's what they should be doing. Like again, they built them. I know I know we're a month away from the start of the season, but we're also not a month away from the start of the season. If they decide they can't start on September third and want to push that back two weeks or three weeks. Like they have flexibility here. I don't understand why the sudden rush to maybe call this whole thing off right now. So here's the other point that I want to get into. Um, Sunday night, as we sit here, there are three competing things. One is reports that presidents in the big 10, many presidents in the big 10 are ready to cancel the football season. We have the players, the players United push that we saw start in the pac 12 spread to the big 10 spread to other conferences. Ohio State players have pushed back against that, but there are hundreds of players saying, basically, we want a voice. We want a voice. We want an organized, uniform voice. So that's one group of players. And then you have a lot of Ohio State players, other players around the country, Trevor Lawrence, other Clemson players. Some, uh, apparently there's an Iowa push with players and parents along the same line saying, we want a season. So what I'm seeing right now is a group of players who want to play, a group of players who want to be heard, and a group of presidents who are ready to cancel. And I feel like one of the reasons the presidents are ready to cancel 
is, is they're trying to protect the players and you have players who are saying, we don't want to be protected like this. But there's no other option for protecting them because there's no way to negotiate this. And all along, a lot of people, I mean, if you're a person who just thinks, no, players aren't employees, there shouldn't be a union, that's fine. But I think a lot of people would agree, really, for the benefit of the players, a union would benefit players. Maybe you think it should happen, but a union would benefit players. I am watching this tonight thinking a players' union would benefit the NCAA. A players' union would benefit these presidents who are ready to cancel a season while you have players saying, please don't cancel a season, because they can't talk about it. And what the, what the presidents are probably doing is being cautious. I bet you they're also worried about lawsuits. If we play and something happens to a player, we're going to get sued. If you had a union, first of all, it would force the other side to have some kind of leadership committee. Because if you're going to bargain with the union, you've got to have a group. They have no group right now. Mark Emmert is nothing. And there's no unity. Okay, you have 14 presidents in a meeting, but there's not a, there's not a council who's bargaining and talking to the players. Kevin Warren talked to like two players from every team the other night. That's not negotiations. This is a situation where the players union would help the NCAA because it would give the presidents a way to protect the players and to protect themselves and their schools through a bargained process where you agree on shared risks and shared rewards and common protocols and safety measures. And you have none of that right now. You have a top-down thing. This is what we're telling the players. We're doing this. The players are selling saying, we don't want you to tell us, we want a voice in this. And the result is presidents ready to cancel while players are begging to play. Their ships passing in the night, and if they were sitting at a bargaining table with the players union and real NCAA united leadership, there might be a way to try to go about this season safely without canceling. I feel like the reason that the Big Ten is on the cusp of canceling is because the presidents can't find any other way to do it safely for the players and safely for their universities because they're worried right now if a player gets sick, they're going to get sued. So in a roundabout way, I now think about this. In a roundabout way, does this get us towards a union faster? We've talked about this before in terms of other – well, I guess it was in terms of this specific topic, how these things are incremental and they happen in, in, in sometimes it's slow progress. And you look back years later and you say – oh, the, the Northwestern thing with Kane Coulter that didn't go anywhere. Well, that actually was huge because of this and this and this. And it gets us to the next step. If I'm a college football player and I think that the NCAA and the Big Ten or whoever else did not listen to me and did not take my, my, my wants seriously, doesn't that give me more incentive to next fall participate in some kind of a national strike and not play football? And, 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 and have that because until they have leverage, they're not going to be able to really get in the, a foot in the door in this in any kind of meaningful way. I feel like the, I feel like a decision like this that doesn't take these voices into account. And I, I'm sick of actually us saying voices because voices, you can say you're listening to somebody, but unless they actually have some leverage and are in actually at the table and involved in the process and have some kind of, you know, veto power or something. Um, some input into the actual decision, then the voice doesn't mean a whole lot. Right now, so, their voice on Twitter is no different from me saying that I want players to play. In a lot of ways, it's you're right. It's, it's not. So thing. I'm. I think this could end up being one of those moments if it comes to fruition that pushes us all towards pushes college sports towards some more kind of real athlete representation. And it, but it's going to be the thing on top of this that was maybe spurred by this. So what what's the retaliation, for lack of a better term? Um, the other half of the negotiation that college athletes come come up with 
to answer what they feel like they're being deprived of right now. And it's not just Ohio State athletes. There's other really, really, really prominent athletes out there, football players, saying a lot of the same things. But the idea, the thing that changes to me is not, I mean, everyone's been talking about players are gaining a stronger push, right? That's, we've been talking about that for, for months in this. It's the idea that it actually might be good for the NCAA, that maybe the NCAA should look in the mirror and realize we shouldn't fight this anymore. We'd rather yeah. negotiate with them because at least we could talk about stuff, right? That's, that, there's, they can't talk about it. And if they could bargain, if they could say, can we play, can we all agree on these safety measures? If, if we're complaining about players shouldn't have to sign the Buckeye pledge, right? Now you have other, we said that. We said that's not right. They don't have representation. Ohio State shouldn't make them sign that what could be a liability waiver right. that's used in court. Right. Now I have people, somebody, a media member tweeted on Sunday night, the easiest way to do this is have players and coaches sign a liability waiver. They'll do it saying that they accept the risks. And Mark Pantone retweeted that. So now you, you have a world where we're trying, we think protect the players, don't make them sign a liability waiver. Now you might have players saying, we'll sign the liability waiver. We just want to play. But you don't have a way to bargain it. So presidents are left with, this is going to go south. We're going to be on the hook. We have to cancel. And if you could negotiate it, you'd have an option other than canceling that would be a way that you could try to protect everybody and still have a season. And right now, they aren't anywhere close to that. So yes, the player... The, the extra player leverage is a side of that, but I had never before in the last hour, never before the last hour had I ever thought that a union would actually be good for the NCAA. And now it's as clear as day to me. Listen, you start off, the, the, the Pac-12 players ask for 50% of the revenue. They're, gonna get, they're not going to get 50% of the revenue. No. But we think, what if they took 20% of the revenue, which is the NFL, all the major league, all the major league unions get half the revenue. But you start somewhere. If you told all the players we're going to split 20% of the football rep, you know what I mean? Like you could start right. somewhere, but it would be an advantage for the presidents because while you're giving up some money, you're also building in protections for yourself for moments like this. And right now there are none, which leads to uncertainty and fear and which very well might lead to the cancellation of the Big Ten football season. Wouldn't that take away from the argument of why they're – Still amateurs and not professionals, though, and student athletes. But that, we, we, we'd be done with all that crap. We'd be done with it. I mean, like, and, and I get, but, but that's what you're trying to balance all this hocus pocus mumbo jumbo right now. And the, and the reality is you're pushed into a spot where the only way that you can, you don't trust each other, right? You don't trust, mm -hmm. you, or they, they actually might trust each other, but they can't talk to sign anything. So, I mean, that's, that's the old conversation. That's the same old, same old. I'm, my eyes are open to the new world of like, I'm telling you, Mark Emmert, president of Purdue, president of Ohio State, the union would be good for you because something else is going to come down the pike. And players, if players start showing their leverage, give them a union now, give them a voice, make an agreement before they strike, your, strike college football into oblivion. I don't know. If they had a union right now, I think they could play. And it feels like right now the presidents are going to cancel because they're, they're panicked or they just feel like they don't have another option. And the reason they don't have another option is because they can't talk to their workforce. The actual professional sports that do have unions, by the way, 
are playing. NFL's moving yeah. forward, although we're not to that season yet. The NFL's moving forward. NHL, people were all over my Twitter tonight. Um, CBJ, another win tonight. NBA is doing a pretty good now, job at it, too. I mean, Major League Baseball's going forward. Now there are some teams that have some issues. I think it's possible that Ohio State football may play a game before my St. Louis Cardinals play another game. They but, also signed off on it to that point. But, but it's still – but the rest of the league is still going forward. Right. Even when you have a team that's completely shut down by COVID, you're still able to have a, a season. And, and now this thing with Zach Plesak tonight where he gets sidelined. But you have rules and, and repercussions that you with. move over. You know, exactly. So, that's the thing, yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, I think, Doug, you have, have hit a um, – you may have hit the nail on the head. I think that it is time to start looking at it that way. Now, just because you have come to that, I'm, I am less – I'm more skeptical that the um, power structure in division one sports will come to that same conclusion, but yeah. I guess that's your job. You get to, you get to, you get to try to convince them. Well, it's one of those things. I mean, this is a one-time thing you think, right. But, but like, what's the next thing that's going to come down the line. So the, the thing I think that the NCAA and the presidents and the, the powers that be have been afraid of is the shared rewards. They don't want to share the money. But it's not only about shared rewards, it's about shared risks. And we always think of all the risks that the players take. The players take the most risks, and that's why they're trying to fight for stuff right now. But right now, we're seeing the risk that exists for the programs and the universities. And because it's not shared, they're probably going to give up on the season. That's a fair point. Anything else we need to delve into here before we push this over to picking the winners and losers from a season that may not happen by the time people listen to this. I mean, we're about to like jump into why we think Ohio state's going to go 10 and 0, which, which, which we're not wrong. We won't be wrong in the sense of we all think that they won't lose a regular season game. That's so true. Either way, so, I mean, like I, I, mark it down, yeah, mark it down. I, They're not losing a regular season. game. I, I hope people don't find the next, half of this podcast like ridiculous i mean we we recorded it they might find us ridiculous i mean this season it's going to be out in in five hours so they're not going to cancel the season before the podcast comes out they might cancel it before you get a chance to listen to it so if it feels like it's for the history books then a great we had we got in officially what our tech subscribers and what we think ohio state's record under the 10 game big 10 schedule would be but you know, this is the balance we've been walking for two months. How much football do you do? How much coronavirus do you do? And so this is a podcast that's still going to be half and half. Well, let's move right over to that. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back with the Market Down Monday section of this edition of Buckeye Talk. All right, we're back, and it is officially Market Down Monday time. The question was, how many – Regular season games will Ohio State win in 2020? So basically, we want people to look at the 10-game regular season schedule in front of Ohio State and decide, are they going to win all of them? And if they're going to lose, who are they going to lose to? Pretty, it, was a, it was a first uh, three-part kind of question I think I've sent out. It was a 1 and a 2A and a 2B, and I um, haven't had to do that very often, but thanks for all of you who participated. How would you guys guess, what would you think the breakdown was among this group of Ohio State football fans who are so ardent in their Ohio State fandom that they will pay us every week to get texts or every month to get texts about Ohio State football. How many of them picked Ohio State to go undefeated in 2020? 95 or more. 
And Whoa! Well, what? but I will Only say this. Was, 92% you doubting Buckeyes. What is up with our tech subscribers? There was, Do they realize that the best players on the teams they're going to play this year aren't playing this year? Is, that's, well, wow. we're going to get to that in a second. But that, <laughs> now, remember again, um, <laughs> yeah, for, we were, none of us were math majors. I don't know how many people out there were. But when, when this is only 61 responses, so every time there's one missing, that's a pretty big chunk of percentage. So we only had um, five respondents out of – the 61 okay. that picked Ohio state to lose a game in 2020. So I, when you say it like that, um, 56 out of 61, that sounds like, uh, that sounds like a more of a landslide, even than 92% to me, but you guys are both surprised. You thought it might be just a, a complete, uh, yeah. a complete landslide. Ohio state was already clearly the best team in the big 10. And now, like I said, Michael Parsons isn't playing. Rondell Moore is not playing. I don't know. No, there was there was already such a gap. The gap got wider when certain players decided they weren't going to play football this year. The only the only thing again is the thing we talked about a couple of weeks ago when I said this is like if you lose to COVID. So I don't know how people factored that in. Maybe the five mentioned that, but it's just if you're just assuming there's a goofy COVID thing and that's why you can't put a zero in the loss column. So there were fifty. Two votes for 10-0 and 0, and then two votes apiece for 9-0 and 0 and 8-0. And so some people factoring in COVID just that they won't even play all the games. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our 8-0 voters, I think, said that they'll cancel the last two games. There won't be a postseason. We'll just have that truncated season that we've all kind of feared. I'm going to go run through quickly some of the 10-0 and 0 scenarios. Um, I may have considered – this is from uh, Alex in the 614. I may have considered a loss at Penn State, but I really believe even then Ohio State is the best team all around in the Big Ten. Especially now, this seems like a perfect setup to give the Buckeyes a shot at avenging their loss to Clemson. Buckeyes go undefeated, beat Wisconsin again in the Big Ten Championship, but end up with the number two seed behind Clemson. Alabama gets a three seed, and Texas finally takes a top spot in the Big 12. Ohio State beats Bama in a classic, then avenges their loss to Clemson by beating the Oshucks right out of Dabo to take home the 2020 CFP crown. Um, and from the 4-4-0, all of them, um, and then that team up north, is the team that they picked to be the most likely team they would lose to. We're going to get to that in a second. Um, Penn State losing Parsons, Micah Parsons, a linebacker who opted out, is like us losing Bosa, but not having Chase Young to make up for some of the slack. Less practice means less sophistication. Less sophistication means athleticism is even more important than before. The Blue Bloods are gaining momentum every step of the way. I guess that was a topic I wanted to touch on briefly. Do you feel like the events of the past weeks, and then even more so the uncertainty of the future, tilts things in the favor of the the so-called blue bloods, the powers, the Ohio states, the other national powers. Does it tilt this power balance in their favor even more for 2020? Yes, mainly because when you look at some of the players who are opting out, a lot of them are from teams where they're probably not going to be competing for a national championship. So it's almost treated like if you don't make it into the playoff and you're just playing in a random bowl game. And so you opt out and just start preparing for the NFL well, nobody from Clemson or Alabama or Ohio State or Oklahoma, I believe, the teams where who might be in the mix for the college football playoff, nobody from those teams has opted out yet because there's still an opportunity for them to actually compete for a national championship. Well, the way our 440 texter presented it even was beyond that. It was not that because of the opt-outs hurting those individual teams more. It was like the stops, the starts, the uncertainty of practice, all those things might just favor the teams that have the most athleticism this fall. I think that's true. I think the teams with the best coaches and the most resources are just able to weather a storm. You know, I, I mean, again, and specifically about Ohio State, that letter that the captains tweeted on Friday 
basically pushing back against the unity movement around college football saying essentially, and this is what I wrote for Sunday, like we're good. You know, I, I don't know exactly. And then like a lot of people are pointing out, you know, Danny Cannell saying like, look, the media is going to ignore this when you have players who say we aren't exploited. We don't, you know, we are, we do trust our coaches. We do trust our program. And it's one of those things. I mean, this is, this is clearly the exception that proves the rule. The idea that Ohio state, with all that money and a very good structure in place that the players believe in Ohio State, that is no proof at all that the system at large in college football is functional or just. But I think those guys are telling the truth. And in a world where things are splintering, it feels like, and this makes, again, it's like the team we cover, it's like, are we homers? What are we doing? It's like, oh, well, the Brotherhood and everybody's tired. Ohio State. There's a little bit of like, yeah, Ohio State, they're tight. And if you see this team has questions, this, the, the, the uncertainty has had other questions bubble up at multiple programs. And, I, you know, it feels a little bit less so at Ohio State. You know, they're speaking out. Now, again, is it 85 scholarship guys are all in lockstep? Not necessarily. And let's not discount any legitimate concerns that people on that roster might have. but. In terms of what makes, you know, the effect of winning and losing on the field, I think difficult times have made it harder on a lot of programs, and Ohio State, for the most part, seems to have pulled together. I read the thing this weekend less is, I mean, they definitely pushed back against the, the word exploitation. They, they definitely pushed back against that, and that was in, I believe, the Big Ten United that came out, or, or the Pac-12, but it, it's, a, it's a word that had come up in those letters, and they were definitely pushing back against that concept. I read it more, though, as a them supporting Ohio state and almost saying like maybe to the powers that be in college football. Hey, if you guys are seeing these things about the concerns that these groups have, it's not that way everywhere. Almost like a, Hey, um, don't give them more credence than us who are saying no, everything I know. is good. That's what I said. But like, it's not that way everywhere. It's that way everywhere except Ohio right. state. Well, this, this, I mean, it's not like, it's not like 60% of the programs are screwed up and 40% are good. It's like, Ohio State and Bama and the very top level might be okay. So to me, if we're talking now, all of this stuff in the context of wins and losses on the field, that increases the chances of the teams that were already ahead having an even better chance of winning because they're pulling together because of their money and their good structure during difficult times while the next level of programs might be pulling apart. This leads into actually both of the other two people or two of the other people who voted for undefeated seasons voted for less than 10 games. And I think it brings up a question that we can discuss almost like it's a rapid fire, maybe just a couple minutes. But uh, from the 216, I think they will go 9-0. and The Rutgers game will get canceled because that program is as worthless as a big mouth Billy Bass. And the, the, one of the 8-0 predictors said um, – Stephen, Big Mouth Billy Bass is a fish that sings songs <laughs> from like 19 – You hang it on your wall. Have you heard of Big Mouth Billy Bass? I didn't know that's what it was called. I just thought it was just called a singing fish. Like you press the button and it starts dancing. And yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. Know. Okay. People, people in my people like my kin, my area of the country, about twenty years ago, made those people a lot of money. I think. Um, and then the from one of the eight no votes, um, eight wins and zero losses, closest to losing against Penn State. Clearly our strongest opponent. 
Last two games canceled and no postseason. A little bit different. I want to kind of ask the question that the 9-0 person presented first, though, saying that uh, they won't even play the Rutgers game. What do you guys think right now is the chances that we get a college football season started, but maybe there's a Big Ten team that is just removed from that? Rutgers right now would seem to be maybe the most likely candidate. But is that something that you guys have kind of bandied about? Like, what happens if there, we don't have a full Big Ten? We only have 13 Big Ten teams. I've- I think like when you see in Major League Baseball the outbreak with the Marlins, um, I guess there's been an outbreak with the St. Louis Cardinals. And the Marlins just like went on a break for a week or 10 days or whatever it is. But the Marlins didn't bail on the season. I think if a college football team has a similar Marlins-like outbreak, I think they would stop. I don't think if if half the roster tests positive that the president of that university and the AD would be like, all right, well, we'll just – postpone these two weeks of games and after our 47 20 year olds come back from COVID-19 then they'll just bail so like I think and again they're not in a bubble Major League Baseball not in a bubble Major League Baseball's had some outbreaks I don't think you can assume that there won't that, that there won't be an outbreak somewhere and that the outbreak might be severe enough for a president to pull the plug mid-season no I agree with that 100%. Yeah, I mean, because the thing that happens in baseball, they can go play these seven-inning doubleheaders and make up some games. You just don't mm-hmm. have, even with the with the help that they've built into the schedule, they just don't have that option in college football this year. Um, so I want to talk about the, the other question we asked. Question two was either 2A, if you picked them to lose, who would you pick them to lose to? Question 2B was, even if you pick them to go undefeated, who are they most likely to lose to? We had five, like I said, five people voted for Ohio State to lose a game. Three picking Penn State, two picking Michigan. Anybody is that surprise you guys? I mean, that's how that's about the two teams that I would plausibly think most likely to beat them. Correct. Move on. Mm-hmm. Penn State. Um, here's um, one commenter on, on Penn State. Um, I think COVID will beat them. I'm not meaning to sound to be smart, Alecky, but watching the number of players test positive in the MLB thus far and missing games makes me think COVID will penetrate OSU at some point this season and result in key players sitting out for a game or two and then. Op- inopportune time resulting in a loss in the spirit of markup down Monday. I'll say at PSU due to multiple players testing positive after attending a Halloween party the week before. And I think there was, some, I thought that was an interesting way to go with that. And I think there was someone else who had mentioned that um, they thought that another game was going to be close. It may even be one of the ones I picked because, because Ohio state would be hurt by COVID after playing Rutgers. And then they would come up with a bunch of, they would have some positive tests after that. And we don't want to be glib with the concept of these people getting this disease but it's 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 very difficult to right now to do an exercise like this without thinking well isn't it very likely Doug you when we did this before kind of we had this topic before you kind of this was your prediction that they'll lose to COVID more than they'll lose to another team no I think it's just I think it's a really smart answer we'll get to our I've changed my mind on that and I'll explain later why I think it's an incredibly smart answer and I totally get it but um i'll explain i'll explain when it's our turn why i've changed my thinking a little bit on that but the other thing and i think the also penn state week i think that's election week is the week of the penn state game now with the uh did not go that far into my analysis that's interesting so whether i mean this is an incredibly consequential election for the nation everybody's sort of indicating they think there won't be a decision on election night it's going to be more like election week People of all ages and all stripes across the country are going to be hanging on it, potentially, what's going to happen. And I don't know. Like, 
if you're if you're if you're thinking about the future of the country, maybe you're thinking 25% less about how to tackle Journey Brown. You know what I mean? So maybe that's a great equalizer well, that the whole country is in a as in is in stasis for like five days trying to figure out who if we're going to have the same president or a different president. And then it's like, oh, by the way, now it's time for Ohio State to go on the road and play the best team on its schedule. Are you guys locked in? And it's like, I don't know. I'm actually looking at election results. I don't know. Well, I think actually beyond how the players might be feeling when they're on the field, I think that gets us into a whole other thing of just what's the attitude the country going to be that week. It could be a pretty testy week in the in and around the United States of America that week, depending on either way, either way that goes. It um, will be a test. There's yeah, not an if. Yeah, it it will be a happens. testy week no matter what happens. Yeah. Mark it, mark it down. Um, yeah. <laughs> so of so we had about 50 respondents that actually picked who Ohio State the most likely loss would come against. Um, one team was kind of a landslide winner, 42%. Any guesses? Penn State. Penn State. It's Penn State. Uh, 42% of the vote. Michigan, 24% of the vote. The third highest response was 20% of the vote. COVID? Or was it an actual team? It was nobody. 20% of the 20% of our voting period or our voting uh, panel said there's nobody that has even a chance to beat Ohio state this year. So The the question is if they do lose, if they lose, who is the team they would be most, they would not even bring themselves to the point of naming a team. I respect Um, it. I I said good. I respect that answer. I, I get it too. Actually. I'm going to roll through a couple of these answers uh, from the 614. Penn State has the best chance even without Micah Parsons. If I remember correctly, the Penn State writer you guys had on said there's a few five-star linebackers behind Micah. Well, I'm sure none of them will be Micah. I don't think the drop-off will be as severe as most might think. That was kind of the same attitude I had when I was filling out my wins and losses. I don't. I, I think that, Penn, that Micah Parsons is a great player. I just don't know if it – that alone gives Penn State no chance to beat Ohio State. Brandon Short, I think, is the name that Bob Flounders talked about a lot on that interview. Um, really highly rated guy, second-year player. And Penn State's not Ohio State when it comes to this, but I think it's closest, and this is the kind of conversation we've had a million times. They're the closest to Ohio State in this conference of you lose a great player and there's another great player behind him. So to the yeah. point that this Hexter made, it's like when they lost Nick Bosa, but Ohio State had Chase Young, they had Draymond Jones. Again, Penn but State's that not quite – was... They also missed him. They missed, they missed Nick <laughs> yeah. Bosa a lot. You, you, so, you found out just how bad that defense was when Nick Bosa came off the field. So And so there's – Now, I also would argue that a linebacker, no matter how good he is, is not as consequential to a defense as My a pass rusher is. Yeah. So, I, you know, their linebacker – they claim linebacker you, right? They've got some dudes behind him. No matter how good you are, it might not be quite the same as losing defensive end. So – and then, Stephen, I know you, you probably follow this. It's like the Bill Simmons-Ewing theory of you lose a great player and then somehow you're even better without the great player. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a very interesting theory. There's a lot of stuff about, you know, guys uniting because yeah. nobody believes in them, the backups behind them. Guys, maybe – and I'm not, I don't know enough about Micah Parsons. Sometimes great players like to freelance a little bit. They'll make a big play, but maybe they're out of position a little bit as a result, mm-hmm. and you take that out of there. And when you do have other talent, sometimes you pull together, and it turns out there's, there's not a gaping hole because everybody ups their game 6%, and that's how you replace Micah Parsons. So but also, I think that's you, on the table. When you take 
a highly rated, highly talented player like that off of the field. Sometimes if you take him off the scouting report, the opposite team can kind of let down a little bit because they don't necessarily have to worry about that guy anymore. Right. And we can spin it either way. I mean, it's like, you know, if, if Jeremy Ruckert is running across the middle of the field, it has eight catches for 97 yards and two touchdowns against Penn state, or they can't get a pass rush or Trey Sermon rushes for 163 yards. We'll be spending a lot of time saying, boy, did they miss Micah Parsons? So we don't know which way it can go. I don't think it's a hundred percent. Micah Parsons is out. Penn state is dead. I don't think it's necessarily all, all on that side. Some other responses. I'm going to get you guys reactions here quickly um, from the three, three Oh market down undefeated, but they will have at least two overtime games, including a triple overtime win over that team up North. And another one on Michigan. Um, I know that's crazy town. This is from the seven, three, four, but with Micah Parsons gone, I think Michigan may be the only team with enough talent to have any chance to beat Ohio state. Maybe the Buckeyes come into the midseason game with Michigan overconfident. I don't think overconfident is what I would worry about with Ohio state. I would almost wonder if it's a game that they could be keyed up for too much in some ways. I don't think that's the same thing as overconfident. We are, uh, I imagine they just say that he was, I mean, y'all, y'all talked about it on the podcast. Allegedly, allegedly allegedly said these things. Y'all have already discussed that, but I don't know if that would be the game for a letdown just because of what allegedly has just taken place in the last. I would imagine Michigan's going to come up when we give our picks. So I'll save my thoughts about that for that. I'll tell you this. Michigan is the team that I think is the best chance to beat Ohio state. So I will save my Michigan analysis for that. By the way, several texters voting to say, to predict that Ohio state will put up a hundred on Michigan. Um, I am not marking it down. They will put up a hundred points on Michigan, but uh, many confidences out there. Um, a couple other teams from the six one four team with the best chance to beat them may be Iowa, just because of the weird placing in the schedule. I expect them to have already wrapped up the Eastern Division by then, and it's mostly a tune-up game before the mm-hmm. Big Ten title. But again, I don't think Iowa is very good, and regardless of circumstances, should get raced. I, that yeah. com- that idea came up to me. Um, because and I think that's something that's worth talking about because it's going to affect this season. If you've got a team that is out of it, I think that they don't have as much to play for. We don't know if there's going to be any kind of a postseason. And and if you've already wrapped up your season, I don't know what the incentive is in front of you if there's still a postseason. And then on top of that, it, it delves into this whole thing with the COVID stuff too because I don't know that uh, right now every team that plays Big Ten football. Let's talk Ohio State. Ohio State is putting a lot of confidence or a lot of faith in the fact that other teams are going to go out and be as diligent as they need to be to come in and play a clean game of football in terms of COVID-19. And if I'm a player, my confidence in that begins to wane over the course of a season. If I see a team is losing week after week after week and doesn't have as much to play for. I think that I actually, just to go into my answer a little bit, I thought I was too, just because yes, there's a bye week between it. And to that point, Iowa might not be where they need to, they might have an unsuccessful season at that point. So now it just becomes, we can ruin Ohio State's chances of going to the playoffs. There was, here was the vote I talked about before from the 440. Taking into consideration COVID protocol and testing, I think that Rutgers is the kiss of death. I think their players are much less responsible and dedicated, as exemplified by 28 cases, which I actually don't think is a, a fair thing to say. Yeah. I can see a world where a few key starters for the Buckeyes get infected during the game because Rutgers has corona-positive players on the field. Then having to turn around and go to West Lafayette, this is someone who picked Purdue as the most likely loss. With some underdeveloped young guys playing no spring ball, possibly a true freshman QB, the Buckeyes will lose in a weird and wild, disastrous game. Um, so I, I do think that's something that I, I, I understand why fans have that 
concern that it that COVID from another team ends up costing their team this season or a win this season or the completion of their season. I like the I mean like the double whammy of Rutgers seems to have been hit hardest so far by COVID in the Big Ten, and then the game after it is Purdue, which is like the boogeyman place for Ohio State. Like those two things combined. Again, it's just a matter of do you want to make your prediction based off stuff like that? But I think that's that's a reasonable way to be thinking. We don't know how it might affect it, but like that idea of I'm not gonna pick I'm not gonna pick the team to beat them that I think might be the least, might have the best chance of a COVID outbreak, but I'll pick the next week when the outbreak is now affecting us Ohio State. I'll think that. Can I double back on one can on, uh, of course. on uh, one thing? Of course. Permission granted. Thank you. I couldn't tell exactly, and I, I think Steven's answer was not about this. Steven, your answer about just even the idea of Iowa is more about Ohio State overlooking Iowa in the moment because mm-hmm. it's late in the year. I don't know. Was there any implication from the texter, or do you believe at all, Nathan, that like Ohio State wouldn't have incentive to win because they would feel like things would be locked up, that it wouldn't matter if they beat Iowa or not? Is that part of the implication, or, or am I misreading that? I think it's more, yeah, they said, I expect them have already wrapped up the Eastern Division by then, and it's mostly a tune-up game before the Big Ten title. Okay, so I so think some of, it, some of it depends on what you think is going to happen in terms of a postseason. But if that game doesn't affect whether they play for the Big Ten championship. We're not, the Big Ten championship's not the issue. So they're playing for seeding in the playoff. First yeah. of so like. If there's a playoff, yeah. I, I'm pushing, a, I am pushing back against any idea that Ohio State wouldn't be 100% wanting and focusing on the Iowa game because a, if you go to the big 10 championship game undefeated and you're 10 and 0 and you get upset there by a good team, you still have a case to make the playoff. If you were undefeated going in, if you lose to Iowa and you still are the East champ, but now you go and lose to Wisconsin. Now you're out. Second, if you lose to Iowa, still go to the big 10 championship game, win the big 10 championship, make the playoff, man, how much did seeding matter last year? Seeding matters a ton. So if they're undefeated, they're going to be fighting to be the number one seed. They're not going to be overlooking any game. So I just think we have to remember what the goal is here. And like they have the East wrapped up, like is not at all the conversation. It's all about, and the idea, like, listen, and if there's any idea that like, well, they're getting through a Big Ten schedule, but who knows if there'll be a playoff. If they're undefeated, they're going to the playoff. But that, but that's not even worth discussing. No, I know. I think, but no, I'm I saying it's, if it's, you it's, lose to Iowa, oh, then yeah. Like if you all of a sudden, if you think, oh, they won't care if they lose to Iowa because yeah. they're already the East champs, dude. You've got to beat Iowa to stay undefeated. Yeah. And if and if there isn't some kind of playoff structure set up at that point, I think we're not playing football at that point. So we're yeah, they're not so, going to get through a regular yeah. season to then be like, oh well, we couldn't figure out the playoff. That's if, I mean, honestly, look at what happened last season. season. Yeah, it, yeah, seeding does matter. If they're not in no head into that game, the difference between if winning and losing that game might be being, you know, number four and number one in the playoff and being number three and being in the exact same situation they were in last year. Yeah, I mean, look at what happened last year. Clemson instead of Oklahoma. Iowa is the team that Ohio State needs to hang 100 on probably. I don't care who's getting chippy on a phone call. If you want to make a lasting impression, do it against Iowa. Do it against Wisconsin. Don't do it in mid-October against Michigan. But um, All right, so we are going to move on from the texture voters. We are going to give our predictions for Ohio State's regular season record. We are going to do that after the break. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. We're back on Buckeye Talk for the final segment of Market Down Monday, where we give our predictions for Ohio State's 
regular season. Um, to starters, did you guys all pick 10 games or less than 10 games? I'm not – when I'm picking – I decided if I'm picking a record, I'm not mm, going to try to do the COVID dance with my record, so I picked 10 games. I did as well. That's overthinking, I think, to do anything more than that. We already did now, and, and I don't think that's – I don't think that's uh, – I think that's fair based disingenuous. on – I mean, no. we already picked – a month ago, I said we'd pl- they would play eight games. So right. maybe I should say – well, then I think they're going to go eight. No, but now I, I'm on the record that I thought things could go a little bonker, bonkers and they'd only play eight games. But if they have a 10-game schedule, I'm just going to pick the 10 games. You have to we go with what we know right now. And as of right now, they're playing 10 games. So that's how we have to approach it. But Even I understand so, the Texers. I understand yeah, no, I Texas who went it's the just, other way. Yeah. Even more so in 2020, everything's relative to the present circumstances and – I picked Micah Parsons to be the Big Ten preseason defensive player of the year, and I don't regret that vote, but he's not going to be because he's not playing. So there's a lot of that going around this year, and you just kind of have to roll with it. I'm going to start off, and I'll let you guys get to yours. Um, I picked Ohio State to go 10-0. and I thought the same way. I think you've got to just – if you're going to play football, I think they're going to do what they can to get 10 games in. I think they have a reasonable plan set up to get those 10 games in as far as being able to move games back, shuffle things around. And I think if if they if you get to the point where there's teams that aren't even going to play at all, then we're probably not playing football this fall. So I'm going with the 10-game thing. And uh, to me, it just comes down to – I think if we had done this a month ago, I would have given really strong consideration to losing at Penn State. Um, I still think it's possible that they could lose at Penn State. I think there's a universe where they lose that game. I think Penn State is a really good football team. I just think taking Parsons out of the equation – taking also a lot of the home field advantage that Penn State would have out of that equation. Now that we know, at least, again, what we know today, they do not expect to have any fans in the stands for that game. That's just, when you put, it almost becomes a neutral field other than the travel that Ohio State has to do that week. And I think on a neutral field, Ohio State is a more talented team. I think that also of of Michigan, who I also think is going to be a pretty strong team. I'm putting together my top 25 ballot, and I think they're going to be in the right around in the middle of that this year. And I think that it's, it's reasonable to expect a team like that to be able to come in and beat a team as good as Ohio State too. But you've got Justin Fields, you've got this offensive line, you've got the other weapons on this offense, you've got a team that's really hungry from last year. I just think looking at the rest of this Big Ten schedule, and I think also, I, I also think just that the confidence, this team does seem to have kind of unified, whether it was some of the social things that were going on in the offseason, not that they weren't unified before, but the social things that were going on earlier in the offseason, and now this kind of us against the world or us against the college football world COVID stance that they've taken. Um, as long as I think that holds, I think those things can carry over to the field and make them even better than they were going to be this fall. So I was a 10 and 0 pick. Uh, Steven, we're going to, we're, uh, let's do all the records first and then we'll talk about the teams. So Steven, um, what was your record? I went 10 and 0 as well. And I went with 10 and 0 as well. Let's get to the teams. Okay. So most likely team, I already kind of said Penn State. Penn State was still my team that I thought was most likely to beat them. Um, I think Michigan also is really good. I I just think that Penn State with Journey Brown, with uh, the other talent that they have across that offense, with what they – and I think a really strong coach, a a guy who's proven that he knows how to to win games in this league. I I just think that's always going to be a tough matchup. Um, I still think they could be one of the top 15 teams in the country pretty easily, even without Micah Parsons this season. Um, But I don't think they can get there this year. And Doug's kind of already given his. Steven, you give yours, and then Doug can expound on his. I went with Iowa because of the fact that all of this is weird. And 
like it, it's a single game. It's there's a bye week and then it's Iowa and then there's another bye week and then it will probably be whatever the Big Ten championship game is at that point. But I, it's it's less about Ohio State and them not being ready to play this game. Yes, they're going to be ready to play that game because it is the last game for a team who needs to who would need to be the number one seed because they know what happened last year and why they would need that. It's more about Iowa. I don't think Iowa's going to have the best season in the world, but their motivation for that game is we can ruin some things for Ohio State, and that's the best that we're going to be able to do here is now we're the last thing Ohio State has to see in the regular season instead of Michigan this year, and they can ruin some things for Ohio State in a time where Ohio State has just played Penn State, where they're probably going to win that game because everything, every factor about that Penn State game that would have favored Penn State is now gone. Michael Parsons isn't playing. The wideout is, is gone now. That's not even a factor because there's no fans going to be at the game. And so they'll come off of that, go into a bye week where things are weird. So there'll probably be a lot of COVID testing, some focus on that for a week, and then have a week of preparing for that game while Iowa will spend time playing Wisconsin and then come right into that game. And so they'll still be full football mode and won't have to be worrying about, you know, COVID and all that stuff to the same extent that maybe Ohio State will in that bye week. So Iowa does not have a scheduled bye the week before that game? No, they have a bye, and then they'll, they have Michigan State, then a bye, then Wisconsin, then Ohio State. And again, I, I think we all agree there's no point in trying to guess. It's possible Ohio State would wind up playing the week before Iowa because those byes are built in for yeah, games that might be postponed. But assuming the bye for the moment is, is where you should be, I agree with that. Doug, you want to expound on your pick of the Wolverines? So this is my reason why I picked the Wolverines. How much might the Michigan pucker factor be reduced by the idea of it not being the last week of the regular season? Michigan is at Indiana the week before. Ohio State is at Michigan State the week before. It's, it's, I know there's not a bye the week before the final game of the regular season, but everything builds up to it. You know, I just wonder if Michigan won't have quite as much of a chance to do, to get in their own heads or to say something that Karan Higdon is accidentally kind of baited into a guarantee or to have Don, like Ohio state is better than Michigan. They are this year. They have been for years, even though Michigan was favored. Sometimes Ohio state has better players, but, but Ohio state, the one of the typical factors in the last 20 years of this rivalry is that Ohio state has a greater ability to play closer to its peak in that game that Michigan has an ability to play close to its peak in that game. So what if on October 24th, listen, man, Michigan is good. They're good most of the time. What if they're just closer to a normal game instead of being like, you know, oh, God, I don't know. It's a revenge tour. Or, oh, God, we're going to get – just play. Just play. Or, or – so – that's like what's different why would i pick michigan to beat ohio state now what's different that's what's different so maybe it means nothing maybe it means nothing but maybe taking a little less pressure off the game because it's not a be-all end-all because you've got to come back and get ready to play someone else i don't know would we would we agree that not having it the last game of the regular season reduces the quote pressure in to some degree do we agree on that or maybe not i think, I think it well, takes think, away the postseason pressure of it maybe but don't you think a lot of that build-up would still happen i mean uh, i mean it's still the ohio state michigan game for right sure. i so i agree from a postseason standpoint yeah that a lot of that pressure is taken off the table because you're not necessarily going through each other to get there but i i think 
everything else as far as, you know, a Quran Higdon situation happening or anything else, I still think that stuff happens. Okay. Yeah, I, I think also that the pressure that Michigan feels going into that game is typically different than what Ohio State feels going into the game. There's been many, or not many, but a few instances here in recent years where Michigan's already got two losses by that point. There's nothing they can do in that game that wins the East. They can maybe spoil Ohio State season, but that's not really necessarily – you don't have pressure to spoil someone else's season. So I don't know. I think it, it, if they're both undefeated at that point, maybe it adds pressure to that game because that's something that Michigan hasn't necessarily faced in a while. And now it's, it becomes, you know, your one chance to, 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 to do something with the season. I, I don't know. But um, I, I guess I see what you're saying, though, that, that it's not necessarily – it doesn't become a, an all-or-nothing thing that defines your season for some people. So – I actually am going to disagree with both of you on the idea of the Ohio State Michigan game is a thing of in, in and of itself. What they're, I mean, whether or how it affects your postseason chances or whether you already have two losses. I mean, I, so then why is what, the pressure less no matter when they play? Because it's not the last game of the regular season. Because it just is more in the flow of things, and there's there's less of an opportunity for everything for the force of 11 games to build towards the end of the year. And even now that it's Thanksgiving week, you know, that it's just like everything builds to that. It's the rivalry. It's like the most important game of the weekend. And it's, it's only because of the schedule spot. I mean, the reason that I fought that for it to be at the end of the regular season is because I think it being at the end of the regular season increases it, increases the everythingness of it that you end the season with this, not because of your records, not because of postseason positioning, because it's, a, it's the culmination of something against the team that you hate the most. It's not a culmination this year. So I'm just looking for something for Michigan to maybe have a reason to play better in this stinking game instead of being favored and then, get, and then lose by 25. So I think Ohio State's going to be Ohio State. I think maybe Michigan will pucker – 8% less. And if that's the case, then they have, to me, a slightly better chance of winning. And, you know, they have good players. So. I just want to throw, the, throw this out. Can you make a case for Maryland then under the same guidelines of how Ohio State has been upset in the past where they played this big game before, and so now they're coming in and it's kind of a letdown for what they played the week before, and it's a road game, and all of a sudden the team caught them. Tua's little brother is playing, and let's just – so the uh, argument of all the same buildup is there already no. with the Michigan game. I'm, if you're asking me if there's anything to compare between Ohio State playing Michigan and Ohio State playing Maryland, my no, answer no, is no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying the letter is M. all yeah, all the buildup with the Michigan game still exists. Everything is the same. I'm just combating the thing of it's not at the end of the season now. All that buildup is just in the middle of the season, and then you do all of that. And now there's this kind of letdown as you go on the road to go play another. So you're game. saying the post Michigan letdown. Yeah, the post Michigan letdown would affect and your Ohio State at Maryland. Yeah, because it's on the and it's got kind of oh. those same elements of what other Ohio State teams have. That I think have. is very reasonable. That's I, mean, what I mean, that's a that's a different discussion. Yeah, I mean, so just to give point to another team of who they could lose to. Ohio every, State has never played Michigan another regular another regular season game after Michigan. It's always no, but they go play important. the Big Ten championship game. Right, but and I don't think a, there's necessarily that, been a letdown there. But that's better teams just as Maryland. important. But that's still just as important of a game because now you're playing for a trophy. The week after Michigan, now you're not playing for a trophy. You're just playing another regular season game. I'll, I'll and, to it. That's, that's and, and so now what happens when you're not playing for a trophy seven days after you just whooped on Michigan? And last year after they played Michigan, 
Not a they didn't play good for they, for they trailed at halftime. Yeah, they were playing for 30 minutes. So and, what happens and, when you take a trophy away? And the year when JT Barrett hurt his knee against Michigan, they struggled in the Big Ten championship mm-hmm. game the week after Michigan. Michigan does take a toll on you. And if 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 the next game was, I don't know who, Indiana instead of Maryland, I don't think they're going to go lose at Maryland, right? If it no, was but... Penn State. I, so I think, Stephen, to your point, my point is specific. My point is actually about Michigan. It's not mm-hmm. about Ohio State. It's does Michigan have a better chance to be its best self because it's not going to be all wound up because it's not the last game of the regular season. That's my specific point about that. I'm not really expecting that Ohio State would change. If the secondary point is playing Michigan takes something out of Ohio State to a greater degree than any game, and they've never had to play a regular season opponent after that before, if the regular season opponent after Michigan was tougher than Maryland, I think, um, I think I'd be there with you. It's just kind of good if it was a mid-tier team instead of a bottom-tier team. And I know, too, his brother might have it going by then. They also just had six dudes opt out. So yeah. I, I think – but I, I, I think moving the Michigan game – is a pebble you throw into the water and you start checking to see what ripple effects might have an actual impact on Ohio state season. I think it's going to be intriguing to see how Ohio state handles just the thought of Michigan when it's in the middle of the season, because it's such a year round focus. Now, once you play them and if you beat them, especially do you completely discard any thought of Michigan for the rest of your regular season? I think you have to, that's what you do now when you play them, you don't worry about them for postseason stuff, but now it kind of takes that, I don't know. Maybe that helps Ohio State actually even focus more after that if you don't have to think about them at all for the back half of your regular season. That you're not building up to Michigan, so you could be like, okay, now they're going to be – they might be more focused on yeah. Penn State in week – in their ninth game because that is now the most important yeah. thing. Michigan's not waiting after. Again, well, it's the pebble. the question of, hey, do you have to worry about overlooking this game because Michigan's next week? Yeah. So it's I, the, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, I, but I agree. It's, I mean, I think it's, it's substantially different enough that I think there's multiple possibilities here. I didn't actually run down this full list, but after, after the nobody pick, the other popular picks for most likely loss were Purdue and Iowa had three each and then Indiana and Michigan state had one each. Um, that was, I thought was the, the really interesting one. Someone saying that basically you can't overlook a new head coach, a home game the week before the Michigan game. So, I mean, that's, there is a little bit of a, dyna- a dynamic there too. And Indiana is the dark horse team that we've talked about a million mm-hmm. times. So, I mean, to throw them in there, um, I think it's all. But, but I – I mean, I am – there's not an individual game. No. I'll leave open the COVID, losing the COVID idea. I mean, when you just go through this schedule and say, okay, let's just kind of think about football. Man, it's just – I don't – it's not even close. There's just nobody. It's not quite Clemson level, but – I mean, you, the expectation of they should wipe through everybody on the schedule is similar to what Clemson's expectation should be. So we're all chiseling it in stone, Ohio State 10-0 and 0 this fall. We're all kind of then putting a little push pin in Penn State, Iowa, and Michigan as the team that, if we're wrong, that'll be why we're wrong. That's the team that could trip them up. Anything else before we wrap up this edition of Buckeye Talk? Did Clemson was Clemson supposed to play Notre Dame this year? Or was that added? If they were, added they were supposed Clemson. to play them. Yes, okay. yes. Because they're playing. I mean, it's like yeah, one of those yeah. things. It's like, I, and and the headline on Friday made fun is like we said, does Ohio State have a Clemson like schedule now? Um, you know, you, 
Notre Dame is like an honorary ACC member this year. It's like you throw that you throw Notre Dame on Clemson's schedule. That that at least is a game. I, I, maybe we'll get to this point. Uh, is Clemson's schedule actually more difficult this year than Ohio State's regular season schedule? Because you take Micah Parsons and Rondale Moore out, you add Notre Dame in there. I don't know all the ACC opt outs that may have happened. I don't know, but uh, maybe almost makes me want to compare those two things. And um, they have like a two week off right now between their first game. And when the between Wake Forest and Virginia, there's two weeks in between. Oh, interesting. That. Yeah, so which is kind of weird. But. Miami, Syracuse, Boston College, Notre Dame, Florida State, Pitt, Virginia Tech. I don't yeah. know. I mean, like that end of the season, their Virginia end of the Tech's season, not bad. They've had one one significant opt out, but that's not a bad team. Their last four games are Notre Dame, Florida State, Pitt, Virginia Tech. I mean, that's not. That's not murderer's row, but it's it's also no. not. And Halfley might – I mean, the talent's not there, but he might just because he played them in the, in the Fiesta Bowl might be able to scheme something. Yeah. That at least messes with them for a couple of quarters. Yeah, I mean, and Florida State is a team that keeps showing up in the um, the the index. The blue chip index is like one of the teams to, to, to that has national championship contention just because of their talent. So um, – I'm not sure Doug is still with us. We're doing, no, we're, we're watching the video thing and it's, it's frozen up. So um, I think we're pretty much wrapped up with this episode of Buckeye Talk anyway. So um, we're going to keep monitoring the situation around the Big Ten. Uh, come to cleveland.com on Monday or we'll obviously be texting you all that if you subscribe, 614-350-3315. For Doug Maurice, for Stephen Means, I'm Nathan Baird, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>